Greetings from Dub Talk, the Dub Talk podcast, presenting the warrior of the wasteland, the Ayatollah of rock and roll,a roots of justice. I am gravely disappointed. Again, you have made me unleash my dogs of you hold your dumb reviews, intend to take them out of the wastes. What a puny plan. There has been too much adult content not suitable for all audiences. Too many spoilers for the anime of Sonically Disco and possibly others. But I have an honorable compromise. Just walk away. Give me your doves, the honest critiques. The 15 minute segues and the podcasts, and I'll spare your lives. Just walk away, and we'll give you a safe passageway into the wastelands. Just walk away, and there will be an end to the opinions that are those of the individual participants and do not represent Dub Talk as a whole. You have one full day to decide. Hello, fellow medics, and welcome to a brand new episode of Dub Talk, a show where the mycologically minded nerds uh, discuss the latest and greatest in English dubs and voiceovers. Um, today, I am joined by Boss Lady Steph. Boss Lady Steph currently with a sprained ankle. She has propped up right now. It's been a fun couple of weeks, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Mr. Hardy. Man, these mushrooms are great, man. Cool. I mean, they give me superpowers and I could go fight crime. <laughs> they give me the strength you know, of 10,000 men. It's fun. <laughs> you know, they call these fingers, but, you know... Yeah. Has anybody ever actually seen them thing? I mean, I'm looking at giant crabs right now. It's awesome. Looks like a giant chicken <laughs> <laughs> Uh And we also have Amon with us tonight. This makes you think of the cover to that one Prodigy album that has the crab raving on it. Oh, Fat of the Land. <laughs> yes, the better part is when you get the reissue where there are multiple crabs raving on it. Oh, nice. <laughs> awesome. We need to use, when we promote this for the Twitter, we need to use that gif of all the crabs dancing on the beach. The crab oh, of course! Of course. Yes. You can't not do that, guys! <laughs> like, just also, just also. post it with no context. <laughs> and everybody's thinking, oh god, oh god. The only... <laughs> who died? The only people who will know about it will know what it is. <laughs> also, who the frig are you, sir? Um, I am your host, Patrick, a.k.a. Roots of Justice... And if the mushroom and crab puns didn't tip you <laughs> off to what we're covering tonight, it is the trippiest light novel adaptation I have seen in a while. It is absolutely magnificent. Mad Max Fury Sonic Road. Weed Disco. I thought it was Mad Max Fury Road. That's not what I signed up for. God damn it. 
I have a plot description courtesy of Yen Press from the first volume of the light novel. Uh, in the days that followed the end of the world, few could have predicted the rust wind, a phenomenon that swept across Japan like a plague, choking the life from the land and its people and corroding flesh into brittle, iron-like sand. No one knows how the rust began, but one mushroom-wielding renegade known as Bisco Akaboshi, the man-eating redcap, is determined to bring about its end. He's the latest in a long line of mushroom keepers, and together with the dashing young doctor Milo Nekoyanagi, the two will brave the horrors and wonders of the Iron Desert in search of the Rust Eater, a mystical mushroom rumored to have the ability to cure the ailment once and for all. You know, Come on, shrooms! We, we're making, we're making shroom jokes and shit, but no lie, the show is really weird and fucked up, but it's great. Steph, Steph, I don't think you understand. This show has machine gun mounted hippos. Machine gun mounted hippos! Patrick, you want to know what else this show has? Fighter planes. Does it have a director? (laughs) Mm, mm. I don't know the correct term, but they call it. Aircraft carrier slugs, yep. Yes, aircraft carrier slugs. I'm pretty sure I watched the same show as you, bud. (laughs) God damn it. Uh, You guys also want to know what this show has? That's absolutely awesome. An English dub? It's got a dub. Fuck yeah! And if we got a dub... Why else would we be here right now? (laughs) Well... You know, I was thinking maybe we could try a spin-off with subtitles, but nah, not today. No, we already, um, we already did Euphoria. that April Fool's joke, Patrick. Yes, that was, that was a few years ago. We tried and we failed. <laughs> uh, we do have a dub crew for you. Um, directing this beautiful, beautiful mess of a show is one Jeremy Inman. Yay! Who you would know from such directorial works as Back Arrow, My Roommate is a Cat, and recently in Mushoku Tensei, Jobless Reincarnation. Uh, And our scriptwriter is one um, Jessica Slewis, um, who you would know from such works as After School Dice Club, By the Grace of the Gods, Kaguya-sama, Love is War, and because it was just recently announced, and I literally squealed when I saw the press release come out, Crunchyroll is actually going back and dubbing Natsume's Book yes! of Friends. I'm so happy! I've been wanting to see that show forever! And now, now I'm see, playing- I watched that show in the days when, it, when you would catch it as... 240p YouTube videos oh, in it. three parts. I fucking believe it. God, it's so it, it's my brand of bullshit too. I'm like, yes, yes. Happy 2008, everybody. I know. Can I also <laughs> say one other thing regarding Jeremy Inman, and it's very relevant for the show too. Jeremy also directed another show that was animated by Studio Naz. It invaded. Hmm. This is the same studio that yes. it invaded, folks. And I think a lot of the animation crew who worked on it, mm-hmm. it invaded yep. later turned around and started work on Sabi Quibisco. Oh, yeah. The, 
And you can tell. Head trip. Fuck you, fight me. Bisco is just a carbon copy of goddamn Sakaido, but a different shade of red for hair. Because Sakaido is pink, goddammit. You can't mm. tell me I'm wrong. I mean, I mean, to be fair, that is how he looks on the light novel cover, too. But, like, some of the animation choices and the style is just like, some of the facial expressions. I'm like, this is just Sakaido. Well, yeah, they're made, they're made by the same companies, Deb. I, Come now. It, yeah. <laughs> uh, if, 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 you, if, you get, if you get... The designer is the same on both, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> My point still stands. You can't tell me I'm wrong. And actually, I probably could have brought up another show that I believe um, Jeremy Inman worked on way back in the day. Which one? Um, might be a little relevant to our discussion tonight. Cool. Um, little show by the name of Desert Punk. Okay. I have not seen that one yet still. I hear Which it's very, gotta... very interesting. <laughs> Which I've got to say, Jeremy Inman, I have a lot of respect for as a director, um, mainly because a lot of the shows he ends up working on end up very much in the roots of Justice Wheelhouse. Um, Same with me, actually. But, like, this show is... As big as and as bombastic as it can get, like, it has really subtle moments. Um, and I, I really like the duality of it. And um, the script writing seems like it keeps pretty faithful while at the same time, like, they threw in a tuxedo mask reference. Oh my god! <laughs> We're going right into it, huh? <laughs> um. Like, it's not afraid to reference pop culture while at the same time, like, being this, like, this big scream core soundtrack, just, it is, this show is aggressively in your face. You want to know the vibe I got from this show while watching it? Hmm. It's, uh... Mad Max meets B-Movie meets Slight Grindhouse maybe, just a touch. And it's unab and it's unabashedly so, and it just goes full hog with it, and I appreciate that. Yes. <laughs> it, 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 it's not subtle. Except maybe in emotional moments. It's not subtle, though. It's hilarious. It's, oh, I love it. It's so silly, and it's great. This show wears its references on its sleeve. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm looking at my notes, speaking of some of the writing. Oh, I have some fun gems, including Bisco calling, um, Pawu a goddamn helicopter parent. <laughs> I was like, oh man, that was great. It's funny that you should mention... Um, desert Punk because I got the feeling watching this a 
especially going back and watching a few episodes uh, yesterday to kind of jolt, jolt my memory. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of old school ADV kind of vibes from it. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you know okay. what? Now that you mention it, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like, not quite the level of, like, an ADV comedy, but, you know, something like a, something like a Full Metal Panic, I guess. Like a Full Metal Panic or a Mezzo or something like that. Huh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any of those shows, so I don't. Mm-hmm. know the reference but i kind of understand where you're coming from with that yeah it and makes, i'll be co- and when we get to the actors in question i'll get i'll explain why they kind of reminded me of some old adv performers but uh oh. but yeah that's it kind of got that like early 2000 early to mid 2000s uh kind of sound vibe to it you know the more you're like talking about it and describing it mm-hmm. i got I, i'm kind of I kind of see that, or I hear that now, because a lot of shows from, a lot of English dubs from, like, the mid-2000s, depending on the subject material, of course, um, had some fun camp. They were very unabashedly just, like, out there, and this, yeah, I can hear that, honestly, when, when you're when you're talking about Bisco. It's, it's very amusing. <laughs> Again, it kind of goes back to... If I had to equate um, equate it to a film genre or something along those lines, again, like a B movie kind of grindhouse, where they kind of like to camp things up a touch, or or, or a lot depending on what you're talking about, but um, it just has that vibe to it, and it works very well, honestly. Jared, did you have anything to add, or? I was going to comment that seemed appropriate because this stylistically feels this isn't retro but it it feels old not in a like it's actually old sense but in the sense that this feels like something that would have gotten made during like the period when OVAs still had a lot of money in them in Japan uh, yeah. like something something that clearly would have gone just like straight to video because you could be a little, be a little more weird and loose there and it didn't matter because there weren't commercial reasons to care yeah um, yeah, I think we were commenting. It's like this thing would have done if this thing had come out in like the early two thousands. It probably would have done gangbusters because this is what the kind of thing people really liked back then. Oh yeah. Uh, totally. And now it has to fight with like eighteen other shows every season, and they're all isekai. Yeah, exactly. Oh god. Yeah. Can we, Which... can we can we hold off on the isekais? Only yeah. only when they stop making people money. So no. Fuck. We're gonna be here forever. Yeah. My giant crab was born into another world. <laughs> I'd watch the <laughs> fuck out of that. See, I, yeah, I'd, re- I'd at least watch that for an episode, see what it's doing. Maybe oh, it's yeah. I was reincarnated I as a giant crab in another world. <laughs> see, I want to know Octagawa's story. That's what, that's what I want to know, is his fucking origin story. <laughs> I'd watch the fuck out of that. You know, yeah, I would. <laughs> From little baby hatchling Octagawa to giant crab dealing with the bullshit of a red-haired, a red-haired like little sassy bitch and a meek doctor who's sometimes a badass. Go on, just just redo Bisco from from Octagawa's perspective. There you go. Done. That's where we'll get. 
That's where we'll get the money. <laughs> giant crab fighting giant enemy crabs. Yeah. Gotta hit those weak spots for bonus damage. Yes. Yes. 599 US dollars. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh god. But yeah, I think I think we're all in general agreement that the that the direction and the scripts are playful, but they also feel faithful to the material at hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that when you have the material at hand is this bonkers, you're allowed yes. a little bit of freedom with it. So. Oh, no. oh yeah. A hundred percent. Like this is one of those shows like Well, I have not I didn't watch the Japanese. I didn't have time. So I can only go based on what I know with the dub. This is one of those shows where like it is that out there. You cannot restrict it. Like with some like really, really tight when I say tight, um oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh maybe tight, I guess. You can't really restrict it with tight dialogue and writing like that. You really can't. Because it is so out there. Yeah. So we good to move on? Um, Yeah, are we ready to move on to the characters? Mm -hmm. Heck yeah! Alright. So I went ahead and grabbed the descriptions for them off off of the little snippets that they give you in the light novel. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, so first off, we have um, Pawu Nekoyanagi. Uh, she is Milo's older sister and captain of the garden, Imihama. She's slowly dying of encroaching rust contamination that's starting to leach into her heart. Um, we also have Governor Kurakawa, who is the governor of Imihama. Uh, He is crooked as they come and head of his own black-suited security company. Uh, He gave Milo top-of-the-line medical synthesis equipment in order to convince him to leave his work in the Imahama slums and work in the capital for the rich. Uh, We have Tirol Ochigama, a young woman who is initially a member of Kurokawa's black suits. Uh, She leaves after being treated like garbage to walk her own path. Which often crosses with Bisco and Milo. Uh, Jabi is a legendary mushroom keeper, once known as the Godbo. Uh, he took Bisco on as his apprentice, and while the rust contamination throughout his body is on the verge of killing him, uh, it prompts the trip to Imihama to attempt to get treatment. And then we have our main duo, uh, Bisco Akaboshi. Tough as nails, mushroom keeper on a quest to find the rust eater, and save his mentor. Branded as a terrorist by the prefectural governments of the Tokyo ruins. And last but not least, we have Milo Panda Nekoyanagi, a young prodigal doctor who joins Bisco on his quest to find and synthesize medicine from the rust eater in order to save his sister and end the threat of the rust once and for all. Uh, so playing these characters um, as Pawu, we have Anastasia Munoz, uh, who you would know as Coco Hekmatyar in Jormungand, Minerva in Fairy Tale, and Miyuko Shiraki in the 2019 remake of Fruits Basket. Uh, Kurakawa is played by Josh Putnam, and this is actually among his first actually named anime dub credits. Okay. Although he was um, 
who was also in the background of shows like Kasha's Hero and Kimono Michi. Uh, Tyrol Ojigama is played by one Brittany Karbowski, who you would know as Migi in Parasite the Maxim, Black Star in Soul Eater, and Papika in Flip Flappers. And in a hundred other shows all within one season. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're seriously the hardest the hardest working one of the hardest working women in anime today. Oh, yeah. Good on Brittany. Uh, Javi is played by David Novinsky. Uh, you would know him in such roles as Kadokura in Golden Kamui. Uh, Toshio Ozu in How Many How Heavy Are the Dumbbells You Lift? And Merge in Demon Lord Retry. Um Milo Nekuyanagi is played by Brendan McInnes. Uh, you would know him as Gen Asagiri in Dr. Stone, Shubi in Back Arrow, and Yuta Hibiki in SSSS Gridman. And the main player of this production, Fisco oh uh, Akaboshi, is played by Kyle Ignazi. Uh, you would know him from such roles as Sai in One Piece, Honey in Nanbaka, and the mysterious unnamed alien in Gleetmere. <laughs> I love it. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, and um, so we're just gonna work what? our way from the bottom up. Yeah. Or? So how do you want to do this, um, boss man? Yeah. So. The typical way Amon and I have been doing episodes lately, and I probably should have explained this before we started recording. Um, from here, we just kind of freeball it for an hour, hour, 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was on Tokyo Avengers. I know how this works. Yeah. I'm freeballing. <laughs> freeballing. Thank you, Free Beavis swimming. and or Butthead. No, that was, that was a Murder Face reference right there. Oh, yeah, that is Murder Face, isn't it? <laughs> All right. I play bass with this thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I'm not cutting this out now. <laughs> Patrick's like, I, for the sake of explaining, I will make sure this edit out. And now it's like, fuck that. <laughs> we're we're here. We're going. Jesus. So I guess we're. How do we? Where where do we want a conversation to start then? I'm. I'm leaning toward um, starting with our main villain, Kurokawa. Oh, boy. Which... Whew. Oh, boy. Uh, Josh Putnam, boy. Um, I am legitimately surprised that this is one of his first named roles, because he is... Like, he is downright intimidating here. Mm, 100%. Like, Jesus. I... I... I'll admit, when I was first when I was first watching it, no, this is what it was. I watched a clip on YouTube a while back, and it was from the first episode where we meet Kurokawa for the first time, and he interacts in the alley with Milo. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't know what to think of it at the time, and I didn't really pay attention. But then, like going through the show, and the more you're watching this unfold, it's like. What the fuck is wrong with this man? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh no. Because he is very intimidating and very... He has moments where he gets very unsettling. 
<laughs> like, for instance, um, in the back half of the show where he has Palu and Jabi hostage and Milo decides to go on his own and try and free them, before Milo comes in, he's playing what can I what I can assume is a knockoff version of Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters with one of his compatriots who is like has this huge fucking mushroom on his head controlling him at this point. And he's just like, no, you gotta play this card. Come on now, it's so unsettling. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. He kind of, going back to the um, the ADV comparisons, the mm-hmm. thing I got from his performance, I even though they don't exactly sound very similar, I got a lot of Jay Hickman vibes. Oh my okay. god, mm. I hear it. Yeah. And so, yeah, if, like if this had come out in the ADV days, I could definitely see Jay Hickman playing this character. Um, he is a bit monotone when he's just being normal, but when he gets enraged or insane, like with his showdown with Bisco near the end, uh, he, he can absolutely sound completely unhinged and it's, I really like this villain. I would, I was wondering if back when, you know, a long time ago when Heizu Otako put out the, uh, the 20 most deliciously evil villains, who would you add to it in this modern day and age? Uh, I could see some like him and others like Guilty Cigar from um, Upari Ranman and, 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 uh, and uh, Fongo from uh, from 91 Days. Mm. Oh, Fongo. Yeah. Mmm, lasagna. Mm. No, yeah, I can, I can see... Like, if there was a new list now or any additions, I can see that, especially because of some of the shit that Kurokawa does or you hear about. Mm-hmm. Because, spoiler alert, uh, we find out in the back half or the last third, he's actually a former mushroom keeper who got tossed out because of some of his shit that he was looking into, including human experiments in this one, like, desolate town that he was supposedly trying to help and save, but, like, poisoning the residents and shit. Like, (laughs) the fuck is wrong with this man? (laughs) Remember, folks, if your anime character is a middle-aged man with round glasses, he might be evil. (laughs) Just, uh... They like that. Just a PSA there. Unless it's Fresh the Stampede, he's cool. He's too youthful looking. Yeah, but he's like eight hundred years old. Yeah, but that's he's useful like... he's useful looking. You have to it's not about being middle aged, it's looking middle aged. You need right. to you need to look like a guy who will creepily talk a lady's ear off about Steely Dan. That's the important <laughs> part. <laughs> about to say Amon, you don't own uh, orb shaped glasses, do you? Uh, no, all my glasses look like I'm a bureaucrat from the fifties. That's a different kind I mean, of evil. I wear round glasses, but it gives me the look of a 19th century apothecary, so I think I'm good. <laughs> I, you're, you're, you're good. You're good. You need to tie that with a nice uh, uh, top hat. Oh. I should look into hats. 
<laughs> yes, like a nice quite. Indu hat. Indubitably. Indubitably. <laughs> mm, scrumptious. <laughs> Work on my mustache game a little. This is not. Uh, but this yeah, is not I, Moriarty the Patriot. We're on the wrong show right now. <laughs> but I honestly just love the absolute amount of slime mm -hmm. um, Josh Putnam is able to put into Kurokawa. 100%. It's it's great. Mm -hmm. It's delicious. <clears throat> I'm gonna agree with. And it actually kind of, and it actually kind of blew my mind that in the last like two three episodes the. Um, Yes! The big Tetsujin Titan that's a villain? Fuck. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, no. When um he started, like, saying... When the, when he has the Tetsujin was starting to say, like, Akaboshi and was wandering around, I'm like, Oh, no! Oh, no! <laughs> that was terrifying. But no, I will kind of agree with what Hardy was saying. There are points where Josh does seem very monotone when he's not... Um portraying a um a huge amount of emotion like his very unsettling nature like his anger like his slight craze so i i can agree with that a little bit um but sometimes the monotone also comes off as unsettling give like depending on the circumstance so it's a 50 50 shot whenever that happens um, that it works or it doesn't. So you, it's kind of split depending on the scene and the context you get for Kurokawa. Honestly, I... Like, the monotone sound actually... Like, it actually worked for me. Okay. Um, just because... Like, you're not supposed to be able to put yourself in the shoes of Kurokawa. Like, he is supposed to be... He's supposed to be alien to you. Okay, yeah. And I think that really... Like, the fact that he t he talked completely in monotone until, you know, either he loses his cool or he does something absolutely greasy... Which is, um, nine, which I, is like, 75% of that. Like, I think that helps kind of set in a level of, like... I don't know how to describe it. Uncanny Valley... Okay. To his character, it's that it's that thing that the G-Man from Half-Life's voice actor was very good at, where it's like you almost seem like a person, but mm -hmm. not 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 all the way there, and that's upsetting. Okay, that makes sense. And then, my God. Um... Brittany Karbowski. Like. <laughs> She's a delight. <laughs> she's... Like, if... If she's not trying to... If she's not screaming in danger, she's trying to scam the living piss out of, uh... Bisco and Milo. <laughs> uh. She's a delight. Like... There's a lot going on with Tyrol. Um, cause, again, like you mentioned earlier, when we first meet her, she's a part of the Kurokawa, like, elite squadron. And then, she manages to get the fuck out, and she's becomes a traveling merchant, uh, selling wares. And then we also find things out, like, she actually used to work as a mechanic as well, uh, in her previous job. So she has very good, like, a lot of, like, institutional knowledge of, um, machinery and 
uh, things like trains and the, the well, not a lot of knowledge of the Tetsujin, but she's able to read the manual better than Pao could, um, because she understands the lingo and the the um, the lingo and the um, not logistics, the uh, terminology. That's what I'm thinking of um, behind something of that nature. <laughs> Can I also just say? Um, her trying to be a massive... Tyrol trying to be a massive flirt was also a goddamn delight. Oh, she's absolutely fucking awkward at it. Oh, yeah. And it's great. Oh, yeah. Especially, like, when she first encounters Bisco and Milo together... And uh, Milo has to save Tyrol from this yeah, parasite from thing. the giant creepy botfly larva. Oh yeah, that was lodged in her throat. Oh yeah. And uh, he, Milo does this by essentially making out with her and shoving his tongue down her throat to get the fucking thing out. And then she's just all over him, just like, I'll pay you back with my body, it's fine. And just like, that's not necessary. <laughs> I'm good. Leave so. him alone, he's committed. <laughs> oh, yes. He did the archer's kiss with Akaboshi. Twice. 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 Oh, God. First time he received, then he gave. That is a relationship. <laughs> oh, God. This show's great. <laughs> no, Alright, sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she does a good job of giving Tyrrell that quality of, like, I'm gonna do what's necessary to survive the next five minutes, and that might be a bad decision, but I don't really care right now. <laughs> That's five minutes from now, Tyrrell's problem. F f future Tyrrell has a lot to deal with. Yeah, she does. And future Tyrrell deals with it by passing it on to future future Tyrrell. <laughs> <laughs> and the site, and it's a never-ending cycle. Just we'll tearles, we'll all the way down. Yeah. God damn it! <laughs> Fuck. All I have to say is this is Brittany Karbowski as a gremlin, which is a character yeah. she has played so many, 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 many times before, and has it pretty much down to an art at this point. Yet we love her for it. Mm -hmm. At this point, it is mechanically refined. Mm -hmm. Which, speaking of gremlins, Jobby. <laughs> Jobby's not a gremlin. Jobby is like the Jobby's best. Jobby's a lovable old scamp. He's the best grandpa dad. I love him. He's the best dad, but is like age of a grandpa. It's amazing. 
glad that glad that I'm just glad that Job E isn't not is not a job er in this show. He actually gets to put up a fight sometimes. Oh no. He even though he's an old man with very, very with um very progressed uh rust infection, mm-hmm. he still puts up a fucking fight, bro. Badass I mean, he was able, yeah. able to keep up with not one but two anime original security guard gorillas. <laughs> Maybe three if you count the one that almost attacked him, but Pawu stepped in. Mm. See, this is the other actor who gave me a lot of ADV vibes. Because yeah. I was listening to him, and you could probably swap him out with uh, Andy McAvin. Okay. Yeah. Who is that? Andy McAvin. Uh, let's see here. Who would you that's, know? That's not a name I would know offhand, so you're going to have to help me out here. Um, I need to look it up. See an old A. Oh, he's the, the pervy teacher from Azumanga. Okay. What? You're, kill- you're killing me here, Steph. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. All I right, know he's probably right. someone in, in Princess Tutu. Let me see here. Oh, he probably is somewhere. Next time I get, like, a decent stretch of days oh, you've off, seen I'm... you've seen Razafon? Yes. It's he's Joji Furugama. Fuck, which one is that? Oh, it's been a minute since I watched Razafon. Shit. He's a reporter, apparently. Now I'm looking this up. (laughs) Continue. Alright, well, next time I get a decent stretch of days off, I'm taking a train down to Connecticut and I'm bringing my Azumanga DVDs. We are writing this wrong. I have have Azumanga Die on DVD. I just haven't had the time. Sure. Ah. Anyways, uh, David's great. <laughs> good, good, funny old man. Yeah, I don't. I've watched all. It's weird because I've watched most of the things that you listed that he's in, like Golden Kamui and How Heavy. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know who those characters are. So, see, this is my first time I've ever heard of him, and I don't even remember. Oh, I've seen all of Golden Kamui, Kamui up to this point. But I don't recall Katakura at all right now. <laughs> I wish I could remember who he was. Mm-hmm. But I like seasons, I like seeing old season actors get into the business more. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, because mm-hmm. I mean, not everybody can. We can't all rely on our Bruce Elliott forever. So, our Bruce Elliott is a sweetheart, by the way. Oh yeah, he's a national treasure. Must be protected at all costs. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. Um, no, it's it's great that there's at least a little bit of expansion on older gentlemen playing old man roles. <laughs> I had a small um, adjustment period for David, but only because I've never heard of him before. So for me, it's that typical like, who is this? And me trying to like get a vibe off of the voice and a sense off of like the performance and where it's going. And then when I've had that. I was like, Jobby is the, like the, the, I love fucking Jobby so much. He is, 
He he he's a little bit snazzy and snarky, but he is like he will he will tease you for the silliest of shit, and then to make it up for you, give you an ice cream cone. But he will do that as a he will tease you while giving you the ice cream cone. I mean, what I love the scene of his that I really love is when he's basically being um, being absolutely worked over by Kurokawa. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't remember the exact line, but, um, no, I, I, I don't think it was Kurokawa. I think it was his goons. Um, but he just, he just turns around and, um, and is, and basically has that attitude of like, yeah, did, did this guy just sneeze on me or something? I... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. David's a delight. Look, could you could you get your your grandma out of this out of this room? Uh, Fuck! Like like the feather's not doing anything for me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're supposed to be torturing me here. Jobby's <laughs> uh, a delight. I love him. Sweet He's just so old playful. Man. It is. And, and and also between him and um, and Josh Putnam. Like yeah. I think the greatest strength of this show is its core cast is a lot of relatively new names being being elevated up and supported by you know veterans of the Dallas acting scene. So yes, yeah, it's a and nice, maybe it's I'll a nice have, balance. Yeah, maybe I'll have some additional words to say about it and final thoughts. But yeah, that's. That's basically where I am with it. Um, and then Anastasia is Pawu. Mm-hmm. She's hot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. I'm like, is someone going to say it? Yes. <laughs> She's big, badass, dude. Big titty One-sama with giant stick. <laughs> giant she hit, the, she hit with stick. <laughs> And, you know, I hate to say it, but, um, like, I don't know if it's, um, it's an extension of the Japanese performance, um, mm-hmm. but Pawu's, Pawu's dub performance, um, it was kind of the stiffest of the main cast. Um, nine times out of ten, it ends up working in, um, in the character's favor. Um, but they're... There was, I noticed, like, an awkward line reader, too. But other than that, I think, like, Anastasia put in the work, especially in the last arc. Oh, yes. Like, that was loud, that was aggressive, and she did a great job. But there were just a couple little awkward moments here and there. Um, Huh. And, you know, every actor's allowed to have that every now and again. Just... I didn't think it was awkward at all, honestly. I loved it. Really, the only thing was um, adjusting to Anastasia's voice as Pawu. Because it's not often that Anastasia, from my, from my memory, plays like a big sister kind of role. Yeah. Um... So I think that's for me where the adjustment was, um, but she does play a lot of badasses. I have 
you're gonna fucking hate me again. I still have, I have yet to see Jormungand, but I hear her performance as Coco is basically, like, fucking legendary. Yeah. Um. Like, the show itself, plot-wise, is a bit take-or-leave, though, but, like, the dub was actually surprisingly solid. That's what I hear, and I hear Anastasia's Coco was, like, phenomenal. Um, so she's, she's, the, the, her voice is very well suited to these badass, like, female characters, like a Coco, or, uh, in this case, Pawu. Um, it's just the part of the whole big sister thing with Pawu that took me a minute to adjust, I think. Um, because that's, that's not a normal character type, as far as I know of, that Anastasia plays. So, but I fell in love with it. <laughs> now, see the ironically the um, the doting big sister and the um, and the lovey dovey kind of sides of her personality toward um, uh, toward Milo and um, and Bisco. Mm-hmm. Like that was the part that I didn't actually need any adjustment for. No, yeah, that was perfect. That was great. Um, and but, then also, and also, just the the hardened badass was great. It it was just some of the moments where she's in the middle of those two states, um, just kind of felt a little awkward to me. I guess is what I've been, okay. yeah, been trying to just... sort of explain, but kind of came out awkwardly. No, that's that's okay. You're good. No, speaking of the um, you know flirty lovey-dovey oh, she, she wants uh she wants bisco's mushroom oh yeah <laughs> yeah hey yo <laughs> that moment in like what was it it was the last episode god damn <laughs> she she just gives him that look and <laughs> fucking bisco is awkward as shit of course because he like... had, he's no remote experience with relationships or women for that matter so he doesn't know what the fuck to expect and, and what's weird is that milo is cool with it he's like hey hey brother-in-law uh, hey <laughs> it's cool we'll split you <laughs> in more ways than one <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> and that's it. No. Um, oh, but again, who are we kidding? Bisco only has eyes for one person in his life. Yeah. And it's, oh. it's, uh, it's uh, his giant crab. Okay. <laughs> that's a lie. We both know it. Oh, God. Uh, Jerry, did you have anything you wanted to say? Ah, uh, she's great. Mm. Yes, uh, I like I like to see her hit things with the stick. I mean, it's very when she hits the things with the stick, it's very fun. Yeah, you act out uh, a line, get hit with stick. <laughs> Magic metal pipe, babe. Uh, nothing much more to add that hasn't already been said. She's good. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I mean, 
honestly, I think we need to talk about Bisco and Milo together. Kind of, um, yeah. Because they're... Their chemistry is just perfect. They are the reason you will watch this show. Because they carry this show on their big giant fucking crab name of Kaktagawa. Um, and honestly, this is one of um, Kyle Ignacy's first lead roles, isn't it? It is, actually. As far as I'm aware of, it is. He's gotten like more and more major roles in the uh, over the years, um, but as far as I know of, this is his actual first lead. Okay. Which I've got to say, I was not expecting um, someone with his vocal profile to be sort of the um, sort of the brash hothead. Um, Neither did I. I'm sort of. I actually could have seen him a little more as um, as Milo before the castles came out. No, um, no. But he has this really nice... Like, his voice is really punchy and aggressive when he wants it to be, and it's just... It's just great. Honestly. He's got this sort of, oh, yeah, sort of attitude to him. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I know you are, but what am I? He's, like, <laughs> he's, he's very a... he's, he's very 90s. Yeah. Because poor literacy uh, is cool. <laughs> God, he, is a, he is aggressively a 90s shonen protagonist, isn't he? He is! I feel like it, it, it doesn't quite sound like he's doing a voice, but Kyle always sounds like he's affecting a little bit of a something whenever he talks. <laughs> like not not like not like the characters pretending, but just like he sounds like a radical dude. He's very much the the Raphael of the anime scene. If, yes. If, if, if Rhodes still existed, he would absolutely have a skateboard. <laughs> yes. Like God, Kyle Ignacy would make a great Raphael, wouldn't he? Oh my God. And would Kyle Brandon be Donatello or Leonardo? Oh, Donatello. Leonardo. <laughs> I see Donatello, personally. Yeah. Like, like, Kyle I could see as either a Raphael or a Michelangelo. I was just thinking that, 100%. No, like, this is very much a different Kyle Ignacy that I'm fucking used to. Because, like you guys said, he's not usually the brash hothead type. Not by a fucking long shot. The closest you might be able to get, maybe, at least in terms of personality and some snarkiness, could be... In the, and there's a reason why I'm bringing this up, because I was reminded of it. His character from Hakara Tonkotsu Ramens, um, he's the um, hacker character, I forgot his fucking name. Oh, yep, yep, yep. That's the closest um, I can't remember in terms of his name. maybe personality that this works close to. Tone-wise, though, it's not the normal tone of voice that we're usually associated with Kyle Ignacy for. It's a, it's a touch lower than what we're used to, but it's, that, it, it's subtle, but it's enough to make a difference, and I think it fucking works. Hmm. I'm 
I'm used to Kylignacy's and a lot of different things, including Toilet Bound I believe he's in Actor Songs Connection. He's in. What the fuck else has he done? I think. Um, I may be confusing him for someone else. He, I think he was in the uh, the uh, Rail Dex series. Maybe? I haven't seen Rail Dex at all. Any Rail Dex. Um, I mean, Rail Dex is so big as a franchise, I would not be surprised if he was somewhere in a major part. Andrew just yelled from the bedroom, Epithather, Epithad erased! <laughs> I haven't watched Epithad I actually erased. haven't had time to sit down and watch Epithad erased yet. The pattern with some of these characters that I'm seeing is it's not this... It's not Abisko. That's the thing. It's not Abisko. It's different both personality-wise with the character and it's, a, again, a slight shift in his tone. Mm -hmm. But it's enough of a difference and I think it works. very. Would nice. you say yeah. it's Nabisco? Like the cookies? Get the fuck out. <laughs> Get the fuck out. Get out of my house. And then, you know, while it's a little more in Brandon McGinnis's wheelhouse, like, I really appreciate the sort of the gentleness of Milo in the first couple of arcs that slowly kind of evolve into him becoming the brash hothead. Yes. Because, oh, sweet lord. So... This show, again, is convoluted as fuck. So, Bisco sacrifices himself to kill Kurokawa in a pit of essentially, like, magma lava, whatever the hell is happening Liquid here. rust. Thank you. And he asks he gets Milo to... I got better. It's just, just a, a flesh wound. It's just a flesh wound. We just chopped your arm off this flesh wound. I haven't seen Holy Grail forever. I need to do that. Um, but point is, after um, Bisco bites it, quote unquote, um, me, like you said, Milo becomes the brash hothead in his stead. Like with the whole thing, with the whole idea of like he's still here. I'm carrying with him with me in my heart, like that kind of thing, and. No, Brandon is great with all of the size of Milo. I feel it's great. And I love I love how that entire arc um at the end is basically like I can still hear him in the wind. Mm -hmm. Gay, gay, homosexual, gay. <laughs> no, 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 even better. Bisco, I love you. <laughs> he yeah. tells Bisco, I love you! <laughs> That's not a confirmation! I don't know what the fuck else is! All we needed to do was for Bisco to say, I know, and we would have had a yes! perfect Star Wars reference. Oh my god! Fuck! <laughs> that would have been amazing. Japan, why didn't you allow for that? Because if... God, if Japan ha had allowed a small sentence for Bisco, you bet your ass, I guarantee you, Jeremy would throw that in for funsies. Mm-hmm. I see. It's, it's almost a shame they didn't animate him going down to the rust with his thumb hanging, with his giving yeah. the thumbs up. 
Milo shot him too, so <laughs> I was explaining a couple things. Mm-hmm. Oh man! But he comes back as Mushroom Boy, so it's all good. Yeah, <laughs> I I think in her in her chat, I was I, earlier because I was trying to finish the show before today for tonight. <laughs> in the chat, I'm like, well, I'm sad now. I finished episode nine, and then you get to the end of I probably eleven, right? And um, yeah. where Bisco just magically comes back after hearing Milo's voice. <laughs> I'm just like, the fuck is happening now? I'm like, wait. I was like, I'm sad he's dead. Wait, what? And uh, let me say, without going too far into spoilers, um, <clears throat> the anime only covers the entirety of the first the first light novel and Are boy howdy does volume two go places that's just the first novel that's just the first novel what the fuck and they even i can't remember exactly which sequences um but they had a lot of anime exclusive stuff to expand upon the oh characters. that would do it I, I was thinking like how the hell do you make a 12 episode series based on one fucking novel, but yeah, they would have to pad it out a little bit if it's off. Damn. Hot damn, okay. <laughs> uh, Jared, you've been sitting over through the corner. Do you have anything you would like to say? Brandon's good. <laughs> I'm sorry, I finished watching this like a month ago, and I have not had any time to rewatch it, so my memories are hazy. Oh no! Ah. Uh, Brandon's good though. Like I agree with what you say. He's he's uh, he, he, he does the right job for Panda. He's and he's a good foil to Kyle, which I think is. I mean, the the show is more or less these two, so you know, good yeah. good chemistry is good, and I think he is a he's a very good foil for Kyle and all of his nineties attitude. <laughs> no, yeah, a hundred percent. They carry the show, uh, Brandon and Kyle, one hundred percent. Hmm. It's one of those situations where the show will live or die by its main pair because they take up the most screen time. Mm-hmm. Remember, That's casting so... directors cast your leads well. It's very important. Yes. Yeah. So are we good to move on to final thoughts, or do we have anything else we'd like to say? Or... We could just talk, shoot the shit a little bit. We've only been recording for an hour, for God's sake. Well, I, the, um, the actual cast list for the, um, for the supporting players was a bit sparse. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the kids from, like, episode yeah. five, I think it was. Yeah, they're cute. Like, I know, I don't, I know there's not, like, 100% credits on them, but I'm pretty sure the leader of the kids is Kieran Strange, but don't quote me on it, it just sounds like them. Um, I want to say one of the kids might be Madeline Morris, maybe? Uh, I know that in the, um, I don't want to say brothel, but I guess that's what it is, at the brothel. I know one of the, uh, the girls is voiced by Macy Ann Johnson. Yes. She's mm. the blonde. Yep. I think Danny Chambers is in there, too, as the pink-haired one. Mm-hmm. And then I think the, um... The woman who runs the brothel 
I wanna say that might be Casey Casper because the voice sounds similar to um, Toe's grandma in um, Smile Down the Runway. And considering I did fairly recently watch Josie in the, t- the Tiger and the Fish as well for some of the movies, that voice, I'm starting to pick up on that voice now a bit better. Mm-hmm. So I think that's Casey, Kate, uh, Casey um, Casper. But yeah, we're no, just guessing. Yeah, don't yeah, don't yeah. take anything we say as fact. We're just guessing. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't take anything we say as fact. Um, but yeah, I did but, want to kind of throw a shout out to the um, to sort of the supporting cast who mm-hmm. wasn't quite credited in time for us to do the episode, but like um, a lot of that was was really good. Um, it's fun. Yeah, you could hear though, like the nameless mooks and the uh, and the troops and everything. You could pick out certain voices. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. to... yeah, like the the old general was obviously yeah, the old the, general. The... <laughs> of course, Chris Guerrero mm. <laughs> um, doing the Liam Neeson voice as usual. Uh, as per usual. Um, no, I I, I kind of want to talk about the kids a little bit because the kids have a very interesting story to them too because. Most of these, these majority of these kids are essentially orphans because either their parents are dead, or they went off to, or they got conscripted, right, or find work and they could never get back. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, so these kids basically have to run this little town of theirs by themselves, and (laughs) sweet lord, I think one of my favorite. Parts from that episode was when those giant puffer fish attack and Bisco has one of the kids, the one who really, really likes like trains and the subway line and shit. And um, because we also find out that this kid was saved when he was younger by a mushroom keeper. So he's he's wanted to repay the favor. Bisco's just like, I'm going to need let's exchange information for information you tell me these stations in order and everyone you name, I will shoot a pufferfish down. And he does. It's the cutest little thing. <laughs> I just love that moment. Um, anyway, I actually do kind of want to move on to final thoughts because I might have a I might have a little bit of a longer thing to say. Um, okay. I think this time we're, we'll go ahead and do it um, one at a time. Sure. Uh, so which one of you would like to start? <clears throat> I guess I'll go. Uh, like I said, it gave me a lot of old school ADV vibes, which, while those dubs did certainly have their problems back in the day, they were always, they always had a lot of energy and a lot of fun to them. Uh, and considering the show is as completely bonkers as it is, it gives you a little bit of freedom to work with a script, and so you don't you can you stay faithful but still throw in a, a jab or two, just for the humor. And um, it's not the most refined, cleanest thing I've ever heard, but I had a lot of fun with it, and I had a lot of fun with this show in general. And hopefully, we'll get to see the second light novel adapted soon. Yeah, absolutely. Considering they left the end of the season 
pretty open-ended to that possibility. Yeah, I hope that we get another season two. Mm. All right, who'd like to go next? Uh, this was the correct dub for a show that has a warplane that's also a snail, and all the bad guys' <laughs> mooks wear cutesy little bunny mascot masks <laughs> like that makes them any less terrifying or dangerous. If anything, it makes them more terrifying. Yeah, that's some, Deadland, one, that's some Dead Man Wonderland stuff right there. No, that is thinking, actually um, shit! Of, um... Patrick, you might know this. Which, which Silent Hill game has, like, the rabbit mascots in it? Oh, shit. I want to say oh, that's like, gonna... It's like, you know, four, I want to say? The one in the apartment? That's a, Yeah, but, like, that. It's like, that's what it thinks me of. It's like, yeah, it's contextualized, the cute thing, and the creepy thing. Yeah. It's a good dub, is what I'm saying. Hmm. That's me. All right. Steph? Oh, okay. Um, so, <laughs> I didn't know what to expect when walking into the show. Mostly because I have a huge goddamn backlog of shows I ha I need to get through before the end of the year. I've been busy. And uh, also, I don't usually have time to really look into show descriptions and stuff. I just go with my gut half the time so god damn it this is a delight <laughs> um just again it's that whole combination of like b-movie mad max a touch like grindhousey and it's just so silly and just full of bullshit but god damn it is it having so much fun and unabashedly so and it, it and the dub i think it ends up being the right match, the perfect match for a show like this. Um, the directing and the writing are just a lot of fun. There's a couple small um, moments here and there with some performances that might be a little bit awkward um, to some people. Uh, <laughs> with this core cast of characters, I think it's really, really well put together. And kudos, I'm going to say, particularly because my favorite performance, I didn't get to say this, if you couldn't fucking tell, my favorite performance was Kyle Ignacy as Bisco. 100%. It is different than what I'm used to hearing from him. God damn it, I want more characters like this. I would love to see him as more leads. Mr. Monty Navarro, please do more shit. The only people who are going to get that reference is fucking me. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it's good. Also, yeah, if you I, could put out at a a, a, a a limited edition release with a stuffed Octagawa. <gasps> yes! Oh, yes. I love this! Please, Crunchyroll, make it so. Um, <laughs> do it, friends. Do it, friends. Give for, us our crab. Yes! Side note, the Monty Navarro thing. So if you're a theater person like I am, you would know the name of Monty Navarro from A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder which is a fun fucking musical romp, murder, mis murder mystery, like, craziness. And um, for a while I saw on Kyle's Twitter that he, he was promoting that show because they did a regional performance in Texas and he was the lead character, Monte Navarro. So that's why, that's, the more you know. <laughs> do 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 <laughs> 
Alright, so I, I absolutely love the shit out of this show. Um, I think it captures the best aspects of um, pulpy 80s OVAs and sort of that mid-2000s... Um, <clears throat> that magical period of like the mid-2000s to early aughts where you could get away with like off-the-wall anime shit on TV... Um, this hit, this hit my strike zone, basically. Um, and it is why I've been trying to get an episode off the ground for the past four months or so. Um, and just scheduling conflicts ended up pushing it out to us finally getting it done at the end of August. Woohoo! Um, mostly on my end. Um... I, I think it's an absolutely solid dub with um, with a bunch of new names being elevated by um, more experienced dub actors, uh, which is always a great thing to see, by the way. Um, seeing new names rise up into um, prominent character roles is always a great thing, and I will always be completely for it. Um, I do have some things to say about the current state of things, but, um, I'm actually actively working on an episode for Ranking of Kings, and I think that would be a better place for it. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and save that for later. Um, and honestly, it doesn't really affect how I feel about the dub of, of Sabaqui Pisco anyway, so I think that would be a more appropriate place for it. Um, and if you did want to, um, if you did happen to want to check out the dub of Sabaqui Pisco... First of uh, all, please do. <clears throat> it is available through, um, through Funimation, Crunchyroll, and I believe it's also available on Hulu. Okay. And by extension, Verve, too, I guess. I don't know. Does Verve exist still, <laughs> question mark? Uh, exists, yes. <laughs> Is it worth the nine ninety nine? It Not depends anymore. on how much you love Gumby. I love Gumby. Gumby. I think they've added any new... Well, they've added... Well, they add st Crunchyroll stuff onto it, so... Okay. Wait, yeah, wait, wait, no, wait. That's... hold on, hold on. Pause. Stop the fucking presses. Mm -hmm. Gumby is on Verve? Gumby is on Verve. Why did no one tell huh. me this before? Mm-hmm. Because God the only people like Gumby are weirdos like me and maybe Noah. Mm -hmm. I like Gumby. We didn't know? Well, surprise, bitch. <laughs> no, I've been meaning to try to... Because Verve seems like it's on the demise, so I've been meaning yeah. to... I'm begging people... Please sign up for at least a month and watch Last Man. It's the only thing that's only way you can watch it. So, yeah. Yeah. Unless like, on my hands and knees, please watch elsewhere. Last Man. Anyways, I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Um, if you want to check out the things that we're doing, um, if you're listening to this via our YouTube, um, we also have audio feeds via Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. There we go. 
Um, and if you are happening to listen to this via our audio feed, um, we also have a YouTube channel, um, youtube.com slash dubtalk. You can watch episodes there, and now you can know what all of these actors look like. Um, we also have a, we also have a Twitch stream now. Um, Fuck yeah. Uh, Steph and Amon are actually actively doing stuff for it. Um, I'm waiting for my work schedule to calm down a little bit, but I also do... Um, I do streams occasionally when I get an evening. I'm trying to get into it. I just need to see how much equipment I would have to have in order to actually do it. See, yeah. all, all I really have is a gaming laptop, and uh, you just got to make sure you have a really good internet connection. Like, you have to connect to your fucking modem router, whatever it is. Yeah, um, if, I, if I was to Twitch, I'd have to do, like, really small indie games that don't uh, take a lot of of um, memory to run because I don't have a gaming laptop and you can't upgrade laptops unless they're built that way so yeah yeah, yeah. but you I can play stuff able, you, you might be I able can... to get away with though um, doing like because most of the stuff that Andrew and I stream are just capture card through capture card and mm-hmm. that shouldn't be too terrible um, yeah what I'd really like to do is do a player two with either uh, Patrick or Amon. Ooh. So, yeah. Um, well, I I think we've been tossing around the idea of of Pat and I doing multiverses together. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once we're able to get the logistics of something like that worked out, yeah, I would absolutely mm-hmm. love to do that. Um, but yeah, we we're doing Twitch now. Yeah. Yay. Yay. And there was much rejoicing. Um, We also have a... um, We have a Twitter feed. uh, Twitter.com slash DubTalkPodcast. Mainly just um, lets you know when we're doing stuff, when our episodes drop, and when we're streaming. Uh, We have a Ko-fi account for one-time donations. Uh, But we also have a Patreon um, and at the end of every episode, we like to um, we like to thank the people who are contributing to our show directly. Um, and at the five dollar tier, we have Megan's mom and dad, Michelle Travis, Nico Robin, but with the owie hands, and Victor Myberota. Uh And at the ten dollar tier, we have Anthony Brown, Carly Lessacow, Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson. Jared Hawkins, Marissa Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. Uh, thank you guys so much. Um, you guys help us make the show as great as it is right now. Um, so, uh, we honestly probably couldn't do it at the level we are doing it right now without you guys. So, thank you very much. You're very much appreciated. Mm. Danka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, and um, where can we find you guys on the wide world of the internets? Oh, man. My name is Spaceman Hardy. You can find me on Twitter at Spaceman Hardy. Um, I usually just, these days, I, uh, I need to tweet some more goat pictures, but I retweet a lot of art, and I occasionally get in the occasional internet argument, and uh, it's all good, so... Yeah. 
My name's Amon. You can find me at, uh, at AmonDuelUS on Twitter. I talk about movies and comic books and bemoan the state of fan bases of things I enjoy because I can never stand anyone in them. Uh, and I also talk about music periodically. <laughs> and I have a dusty old song if you'd like one. Oh, yes. Yeah! Yay! Uh, so this dusty one, this song. One was, this, dusty this song. Dusty song. Dusty song. Dusty song. Now, now, simmer down, children, simmer down. <laughs> uh, this one was hard because initially I went, oh, something about mushrooms, and it's like all these are about getting high, which isn't quite what this show's about. <laughs> That's um, a little tough. And it's like something about crabs? No, there's nothing there. Uh, and so eventually I was like, all right, what is the show about? It's about weird things in the desert. What happens when I think about that? And apparently my brain decided that when I think of that, I think of Queens of the Stone Age. Ooh, okay. Uh, and since I only know two Queens of the Stone Age songs, and I don't think I need to recommend uh, No One Knows to anyone, I'm instead going to recommend You Can't Quit Me Babe off their first album, which I like yes. a lot. I think has a, has a nice rumbly, arid sound that I think pairs well with this show. Nice. And I have a dusty old song called I'm on Shrooms by Lonely Island. Fucking hell. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah, that, that that was the first thing that popped to mind, and my thought was, it's a little it's a little obvious. There's something called dusty old songs you've probably never heard before. I mean, you probably never heard of it because it's like a one minute interlude in the album. That's true, but people like the Lonely Island. Well, people like Queens of the Stone Age too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that song I is excellent. Fair. That song is excellent for Evangelion and Cowboy Bebop AMVs. Yep. <laughs> I guess that leaves me. Uh, my name is Stephanie. I'm also sometimes known as Lilac. You can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review with review being spelled R E V U E. I have a blog, Life and Times to Talk at WordPress.com, that is collecting dust. Uh, as previously mentioned by Patrick, I have been streaming on the Dev Talk podcast Twitch, um, usually on Sundays, uh, Sunday afternoons, doing currently uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus, and then at night with Andrew uh, playing I, the Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative. Uh, but I also <laughs> am an idiot. So I do stuff on TikTok now, I guess, because I because why the fuck not? Um, if you care and I guess want to follow random shenanigans, mostly of my cat, um, t- it's um, like Anime Review also on TikTok. Uh, with Review, again, spelled R-E-V-U-E. Um, I've been trying to do more things, like, more, like, funny little videos, uh, and posting a couple of highlights from streams, too, on occasion now, but, yeah, it's fun. Nice. And then, if you would like to find me, um, you can do so on the twitter.com at Roots of Justice, um, where I mainly retweet cute animal pics. Talk general fandom. It's a good time. You should come give me a follow. Um, I Like I said, I am trying to find a point where my schedule stabilizes enough that I can do Twitch again, um, where I intend to continue my stream of um, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um... I am working on something on my blog, which, um, if you had seen the episode for, um, Loop on the Third the First, you would know it's a review of Mad God. Um, hopefully that will be ready for prime time by the time this episode comes out. Um, and then from there, we'll, we'll see where my blog goes. Um, 
I also happen to have a Patrick's Cool Thing of the Day. Um, this is new. He's actually yeah, been doing it for a little a little while, not too long, though. Oh, okay. I guess this is the first I, episode that Hardy's been on with you since you started it. Gotcha. Um, I, I mainly just talk about a cool thing that I'm either doing, watching, or experiencing. I try to avoid music to avoid stepping on Amon's toes, but, um... No, oh, do music. Music is music is the best. <laughs> um, I actually have a thing that I bought on a discotheque sale, um, cool. for tonight's Patrick's Cool Thing of the Day. What'd you get? Do you like going to Guy? Who doesn't? Do you... Do you like those, um... Do you like the Jerry Anderson Marionation shows? Do I? I don't even know what that is. You know, Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds. The puppets. Where they, where they actually, like, have be- uh, have actual marionettes as, like, the characters with, like, little automatic tape reels that did make you, their did you, up did and you, down. Did you, did, you, did you watch Team America World Police? No, I've seen clips. My parents would not let me watch when I was a kid. Because you're, 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 making, you're making me feel old about shows that I wasn't even alive <laughs> for, Steph. I hope you're proud of yourself. What do you expect? I was born in the 90s, dude. So was I. Well, close. Anyways. Close enough. <laughs> also, do you like the progressive rock band Queen? Ooh, now you have my attention. Have I got the show for you. Um, in Japan, it is known as X-Bomber. Um, okay. And in the West, you would probably know it by its other name. Uh, Starfleet. Um... This show, um, it was written and the characters were designed by Go Nagai. Um, it is all marionettes. Um, it is sci-fi. And I highly recommend the dub because the theme song was written by, I believe, the guitarist of Queen. Brian May? Uh, yeah, Brian May. Huh. Um, but it is the cheesiest thing and it is spectacular <laughs> like the dub is hokey um in that in that really nice comfortable 80s way um where everybody has like weird accents it's great and it's it, it's it's in that sort of beautiful janky puppeteering kind of way If anything I'm saying right now um, interests you, I believe it's still on sale at um, at Right Stuff. Um, I think the streaming rights are about to lapse over on Retro Crush, but okay. as far as I know, the discs are still available. Um, it's on a SD Blu-ray by Discotech. It's great stuff, and you should check it out. Uh, so with that, I think we're going to go ahead and call this episode a close. I, uh, we have... Uh, see, I, um... And there was much rejoicing. I went ahead and found this mushroom in my fridge. Kind of oh. growing out. Oh, Split it. Eat it. Oh, God. See, uh... Patrick. See what happens. Patrick. We've we gone have, over we this. Have, we have all seen Cowboy Bebop. We all know... You don't eat things you find growing in the fridge. It's bad for you. I don't do well, what now? Jesus. Well, all right. This <sighs> funeral, I guess. 
Let's, let's hope he just does that thing where he walks in place for a really long time and he doesn't go anywhere. Or he just ends up on the floor looking at the ceiling, seeing mm. the weirdness of shit. Yep. I think that's another best case scenario right now. Yeah, guys, <laughs> just my hand is doing the swishy thing. I think we need to, uh... And light, there it light, is. I think we need to call some... this episode a close. Okay, I, I okay, alright. Yep, we gotta... Alright, we, we gotta get him to lay down. Oh, Jesus. <sighs> so, uh, why, for us, why, it does why, talk why, to why you... Why do you do this to yourself? <laughs> I don't know. But you guys in the audience that I'm seeing right now, you guys have oh a wonderful God. evening. And, um... Oh, taco on the dubba. Eat your mushrooms. Oh, Lord. All right. I'm going to go lay down now. Probably a good idea. Where's the rest of that mushroom? You didn't eat it, did you? Oh, it's all gone now. Ah, shit. All right. We and... got to gotta take care of this goober. Good night, everybody. Rock over Chicago. Rock on Boston. Keep it manly. <laughs>